last week on this podcast. The problem is you've gone through a process where you've had to craft an advert, put the time aside to do the interviews. You've told your team everything's fine. Do you think I've solved it? And then three weeks later, it isn't the right job for them and they walk out. Welcome to Upon Arrival, a show that uncovers stories and strategies that make up all the moving parts of business events tourism. I'm Adelaine Ng. This is part two of my interview with Jill Harvey, addressing one of the biggest challenges facing the hospitality and events industry, staffing issues, in between two very interesting periods of the scramble from our borders reopening and a looming economic crisis. Jill Harvey is an employee attraction and retention specialist with over 30 years experience and has learned unique strategies that have seen incredible results, from halving recruitment costs to filling job vacancies twice as fast. In the second part of our interview, we begin with recruiting strategies for event companies that might be smaller in size. Is that you? If so, how can you win top talent in the same arena as the bigger industry giants? Here's where I pick up with Jill. I'm glad you mentioned smaller companies because, I mean, we have a lot of those in our industry. How much should you bend over to give the staff you want what they want. I mean, this could be more work from home hours than you'd like to give, for example. They could be wanting daycare for kids. It may not even yet be in your capacity to do that. So if you can speak to companies that have smaller budgets, is the advice any different? Yes, of course. And I think the reason I love working in this industry, so I've worked for some of the big giants, you know, I've worked for Virgin Atlantic and British Airways, and they've got the budgets. For me, it's no challenge, really, because they can throw money at stuff. For me, the challenge is the smaller businesses, you know, the homemade businesses where the the boss, that's their baby. My message, I guess, is you don't bend over backwards for people. So, you have to have your goal in mind. So you need to know what you're trying to achieve and you need to know what you have to have to get to those goals. But the resources have to be available for you to do that. So if you do need to be more flexible with people, it doesn't have to be about money. You could be flexible in terms of hours. Does it really matter that they are physically in the office five days a week, for example, Or is it, and we've shown in the pandemic that people can work equally effectively from home, the creativity goes in our industry. That's the problem is you need to be working together to create the sparks and to have the ideas. But but it's allowing that trust that teams can come together and say, yeah, as a team, we're all going to come together at this time. And during this time, we're going to brainstorm this and we're going to work on this. And you know what? More often than not, the teams will choose to come together more than you would have said they had to come together if you were issuing a diktat that you're going to work three days a week from the office. In terms of benefits, more often than not, people don't necessarily want the physical or tangible costly benefits to them. You know, sometimes a benefit is that they have to leave early and they don't feel bad about asking that they have to leave early because, you know, they've got to go to the dentist with their child or whatever. Sometimes it's as simple as, look, we saw you worked really late last night. Just don't come in till lunchtime tomorrow. And this very rarely happens in this industry. That's the problem. 
it's giving them different experiences. It might even be collaborating with another business. Now, I've seen this where a hotel was a really small boutique hotel. They didn't really have many opportunities for people to progress within there. They didn't have big budgets to reward people. They linked up with a bigger hotel in the same city and said, look, we want to give our people experiences. Can we do some sort of switch here, some sort of shift? You do barista training. Can we bring them along and they learn a bit of barista training? It cost absolutely nothing because they were collaborating on things and their team got to learn a new skill. And that sort of thing goes a long way, but it means thinking outside the box, collaborating with others who are in the same boat. We're all in this industry together. And it went a long way with their staff, you know, that they suddenly they were allowed out. They were seeing a different environment. They were learning a new skill. So it's horses for courses. I think there are options for any business of any size and with any budget. But but I would say if it's costing you £4,000 for every person you're losing, invest some of that back and then you won't be losing that £4,000. You don't have to invest all of it, but, you know, 500 quid an employee a year. (laughs) And I think what you're saying is, is really create experiences for your staff. And experiences is the one big thing that we always talk about in, in our industry for attendees of your events or delegates for your events. So, you know, how many times do we do that for our own people and enough times? So it's interesting. And I, I think that would also go so well with, you know, the snowflake, quote unquote, workforce that you also, I think this is also your pet topic because people have a view that millennials don't really want to do any real work. I know if any millennials listening, they, they might be saying, stop branding all of us in this, you're tarnishing all of us with the same brush. But, you know, you have something to say about this. So, you know, explain what you mean when you say the problem can easily be fixed. Well, it absolutely is. It's it's about listening to what's important to them. And this isn't about listening to a list of demands, because whenever I say that, I then get my inbox is just flooded with business owners saying, oh, we want to work from the beach. We want to do this, you know, and all these demands that the supposed millennials come up with. And actually, that isn't what they want at all. They just want a little bit of freedom. They want they want to learn. They want new experiences. They want to feel as though they are contributing. Do you know the, the one thing that I hear more often than not, and I actually um, work with millennial coaches, not work alongside them, but I sort of talk to them a lot to see what is this generation looking for? And all they want to know, bizarrely, is what are the goals of the organisation and how can they help? How how can they play a part in helping? How can they do that in a way that contributes to a wider, a bigger picture? And employers still hold on to this. You know, these are our goals and we'll tell you how much money you've got to make on every project for us. Or we'll tell you how many clients you've got to wheel in for us, but we're not going to tell you anything else. If they were to share that and ask for input, millennials would love it. Now, if they can't do that for millennials, they are absolutely stuffed for the generation below them because the generation below they are flakier than flaky <laughs> if that's what they want to be called. They they really are. I mean, they they take it to a whole new level and they are going to be holding businesses to account in terms of their social responsibility. Um, they will be questioning 
everything. So it won't just be about them. It will be about them and the social impact. So employers have got to learn to listen and really listen and take away the fact that it's demands. It's not demands at all. It's just a different approach. And we have to accept now there are five different generations in this workforce. You know, when I when I was at work, there were two generations in the workforce, pretty much. It was, you know, or two different demographics, that type. Now, you know, it's wide open and we we need all of them. We need those of my age because we've got the experience. But we also need the fresh ideas because without those, we'd have been stuffed in the pandemic. How would we have kept going when our industry ground to a halt without some of this fresh thinking that came from millennials? They were the ones that, that came up with the ideas. So, you know, it is about thinking. And you've given us so much food for thought. Now, this industry is juggling with so many things, so many shifting dynamics, but also this looming recession that we're talking about in a few months. And it might actually reverse the situation and layoffs could be on the cards. What advice do you give employers, especially in the events and tourism industry? I mean, this looks like a whole roller coaster ride and there must be some way to think about this and manage this and, you know, without too much bloodshed. The companies that fared the best that I witnessed during the pandemic were those that didn't shed all of their staff. And we all know a company doesn't do that, you know, with bad intention. They are doing it to protect an organisation. They have to look at how they can best manage it. But honestly, there are some companies certainly over here in the UK who were massive, who lost probably 70% of their team. And then, of course, everything shifted upwards. And of those people that they lost, they couldn't get them back again because they were still raw. And in fact, you know, I know a lot of people who have chosen to go in retail. (laughs) You know, they're stacking shelves in supermarkets because, uh, you know, and they've been offered their old jobs back at more money. And they would have said they loved their jobs before, but they won't go back. So my, my message to employers is, don't make a knee-jerk reaction, is to maybe talk to their employees, include them in the conversations. You know, we're all grown-ups here. We all want businesses to last. I think there's room to have grown-up conversations and to say, this is the situation. And, And I know that businesses are finding that corporates are holding back on confirming business for the last two quarters of the year. It's not that it's not going to happen, but they want to see what happens in the economy before they're confirming business, which is having an effect on companies. They're now thinking, what do we do? Where do we go? But there are ways to offer flexible employment contracts. There are some employees that would welcome that. And by flexible employment contracts, I'm thinking there are some employees who would welcome a sabbatical if they were offered a sabbatical or they would actually happily go to a different type of employment. They might want to go and do something else and do part-time or whatever. I'd say the gig economy is going to change a lot as well. So over here, we have a lot of freelancers or they're permalancers because they work for the same companies, but on a freelance basis. Although the younger, less experienced people are still quite gung-ho and still trying to charge high rates and think the work's there forever, the older, more experienced ones are saying, do you know what? 
we're actually going to step back a little bit. We're going to take a bit less money and we're going to go for longer contracts with a bit more security or we're going to go back into the workforce. So I think it's a really tricky one. Don't make a knee-jerk reaction on this. Think about different employment contract types for sure. You're going to need a mix of people. That's the other thing is what we saw is a lot of the fresh ideas went out the window (laughs) and actually you're going to need that mix. You're going to need the stability and the experience along with the mix and the creativity because recessions come and go. We might have it for a year. We might have it for 18 months, but it will come back round again and we need to have the body of staff available to carry us through this. We might be talking again in a couple of months. <laughs> I just love the, the thinking, the holistic thinking that you've just laid out. And I think it's so important for sustainability for companies because the way you manage your staff as well, it's not just the staff. That has an impact on your company's performance. And that has an ongoing impact in terms of how well your company survives the roughs and troughs of this industry. So they're all really important things to take into consideration, not just consider, but to actually put things into action. I mean, for people who are listening to the podcast, yeah, because I find myself guilty of hearing really good ideas and then not doing anything about them. Jill, can I ask about your entrepreneurship journey too? I mean, how did you end up in this space? It's clear that you're passionate about it, but it's not an industry that many people know about. And as you said earlier on, you know, I fell into this industry, only discovered it by accident. But what what's your journey been like? So so mine was, I, I, I was quite fortunate as a young child in that my parents were affluent enough that we could go overseas on holidays, which, which was in my era. I know that's commonplace now, but in my era, you know, people holidayed in the UK. <laughs> so f- from the very early age, it would only be across to Europe, but I would still, and I just loved the whole buzz of the airport and I loved being waited on in hotels. So right from four or five, I was hooked on the hospitality and tourism industry. So, you know, as I was going through school, I'd work in restaurants, I'd work in hotels, and I ended up, I never lost that bug at the airport, that that whole feeling. So I started work for an airline that was then taken over by British Airways. And then I went to work for Virgin Atlantic when it was very, very new on the scene. It had like one or two aircraft there. And it was, I just, it wasn't, I didn't work in the air or at the airport, it was at the office, but it still had that same feel. And it was just at the time that the incentive travel industry was taking off. And I just happened to be chatting to the guy who ran the commercial section. And he said, oh, you know, um, I think you'd be really good for this section that's just starting up. You know, it's all about incentive travel. And I said, what are you talking about incentive travel? He said, oh, don't worry about that. It's just taking <laughs> groups of business people away. And they're looking for somebody. I know this company. They're looking for somebody that, that will write airline tickets. You can do that. And it was in London. And I thought, well, I don't really know what he's talking about. I walked in and it was just the most amazing, amazing place ever. It was a marketing firm of which we were an events division. And it was just so exciting. Even the hours, it was long hours, but it didn't matter because we were creating things. We were a team together. It was just learning, traveling, everything about it. I've just loved this industry forever. And there are times when I mean, I did burnout. Don't get me wrong. I, I, at the time where I was heading up this department of 50 odd people and it was all going pear shaped and I, I was not able to recruit um, 
you know, I, I did try and run away, but there's something about the industry that hooks you back in and you, you can't leave yeah. it. Yeah. I think it was my time at Virgin that actually has cemented everything I'm doing now. Because when I started at Virgin Atlantic, there were two aircraft and everything was going wrong. They paid the lowest in the whole of the airline industry. The offices were the crummiest offices you could ever imagine because they just started out. And yet they got the best people and those people would give everything to that airline. And so when I eventually was having problems with recruitment myself, and bearing in mind, I put myself through my MBA, NLP, I'd done all this stuff to try and fix it myself and I couldn't. I went back to the lady at Virgin Atlantic who was responsible for all of the recruitment and onboarding at the time. And it was her that was saying how Virgin did it. To this day, they don't pay the highest wages. And yet you look at the people that they, they very rarely struggle. I mean, they do from time to time, but they very rarely struggle to get the top talent because it's about their employee experience. It's about their culture. It's about the fact that they share it with the world. So, yeah, I, I sort of went full circle to go back to find out what was it that attracted me to Virgin in the first place and how did they keep me excited to, to what these secrets are now. Yeah, yeah, and that's how you've landed in your niche, which is not a common niche, <laughs> specialising for no. the events industry, uh, you know, for, for human resources. This is a world that we all love, the best experiences. But you also mentioned that it's the millennials who are bringing in all the really good ideas for the next generation. If you are from, let's say, the older generation, I mean, how do you keep inspired? How do you keep generating ideas that are still unique? Where do you get that juice from if you're not a millennial? So it's being inquisitive. I've got a very good friend who is a creative director and he doesn't narrow down his experiences. So he will go to a museum one day and he'll go to the Ritz to a tea party another day. He'll look on the the subway stations at the posters and he'll get inspiration from what's happening. He'll look at product launches, you know, the fashion industry, how they launch things, how they use colours and light. He'll look at TikTok. He'll look at, you know, what, what's happening on the videos. And it's looking at it in a non-judgmental way because I, I've often said to him, how does he come up? Because he comes up with the most amazing things that I never used to think I could come up with. And actually now my brain does fire that way. And he says it's just having all of this stuff that you don't say, oh, I don't like that, so I'm not going to listen to that music, or I don't like this, so I'm not going to go there, because it's all here. And then suddenly it's like this massive railway station with tracks going everywhere, and you'll need to come up with one thing, and suddenly everything will plop into place. And that's exactly what happens when I'm working with clients is, I don't know where it'll come from because every business is different. You know, what works for one is not going to work for another and nor should it because we're all unique businesses. But suddenly something will come out of the ether and it might not even be business related and it'll be that could work for you or your team. So I think that really has to be the message for my generation is to try and be as open minded as possible and build some time in to just explore and have fun because that's what the millennials do is they explore and they have fun and even if it's only through reading a different magazine a day or picking up a different newspaper getting different people's views that gets the brain thinking. I love that thank you so much for sharing that 
Jill, I know that you have a couple of resources, you know, available to people who want to explore this area more, have a need in their company for some of the things that you've been talking about. Where can people be pointed to? Where can people go to access these resources? Okay, so um, I've got a couple of links. One, I've got an ebook, so there's a link to the ebook, and you know, there's no lead capture there. You can have it for free. I'm not asking for for any data for that because I know that can be really frustrating. Feel free to grab that link. I've also opened up because I am really passionate about this. I've opened up ten slots where. I'm happy to give a free one hour strategy session. And and again, this is no selling, no bull, no anything like that, where we can just sit and discuss what the problem is, you know, what you're trying to achieve, what the roadblocks are, and we can actually put a strategy in place. So I've got 10 slots open. Uh, I've got my Calendly link. So please jump in, book a slot on there. I'm just desperate. I love this industry so much. We need to keep it going. We need to keep fresh people coming through. So yeah, just jump in. So something for everyone. If you prefer to read on your own, great. If you want to jump on a call with me, perfect. Jill, we'll put all those links in the show notes. So it's a handy reference for people. They can just go straight down there and just click on the links. But also I wanted to ask you, like, if there was a book that you would recommend for people to read just in terms of how to attract and retain the best staff, especially in a volatile industry, what would your go-to book be? Oh, for attractive retainer. I'm looking at my bookcase here as you as you ask that question, <laughs> because there are so many books. I believe I would go for Talent Chooses You, because I think that's really pertinent, is that, you know, if your brand is strong enough, you will attract people. Talent will choose you over everybody else, and it takes the hard work out of it. And that is written by James Ellis. So it's Talent Chooses You by James Ellis. And it's a brilliant read. There are a number of really good books. There's Give and Get. There's uh, all sorts. But I think that one's the one that does it for me. Fantastic. We'll put a link into our show notes as well for that. Jill, it's been amazing speaking with you. I have learned so much and I hope that our listeners have too. And uh, I hope that people who do need your service will get in contact with you because you have obviously so much to share and I can tell there's heaps of strategy in your bones. So thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me on Adelaide. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I do appreciate it. And I hope you got as many nuggets as I did from that chat with Jill. And that's not even the end. You can get more of Jill via her links in the show notes. If you found value in today's show, please click the follow button if you'd like to be notified when a new episode drops. And by the way, have you ever considered launching a podcast with a strategy to land in Apple's top 200 charts in the first week? If so, feel free to send me an email at uponarrivalpodcast at gmail.com and we'll explore how we can make that happen. Catch you next week for another great interview to uncover more stories and strategies for a successful future. Till then, cheers. Cheers.